<laughs> always gives me anxiety because I don't ever... want to like breathe. Hi. Mm. Is it just the way it starts? Yeah, I think so. It's like a bit much. Hey, if you're still here, <laughs> thanks so much Thank you. for coming back after the doozy of the last episode. Oh my God, yes. <laughs> oh my for God. real, thank you so much. Which, by the way, I had the numbering wrong. I thought last episode was 28. It was 29. This is our 30th episode. What, what? Oh, I have to think of something special. Okay. What, what? Continue. Talk about what you were going to talk about. I mean, first of all, I t- totally agree with Emily. Thank you. We appreciate it. It was hard for us to get through. <laughs> yeah, um, I appreciate that if you even tried. Even if you only got like 15 minutes in and you were like, yeah, no, 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 no. Mm-hmm. That's cool. It's fine. We get it. Um, I did just want to mention, because it's been a couple of weeks, and like I kept being like, we should talk about this. And then we always got on other stuff, or we had too much to say in an episode, and we never mentioned it. But I'm sure everybody has heard about, like, the rescue of the Thai soccer team. Yay! Yes. Um, a couple of weeks ago, I guess it was maybe a month ago now, when I did the um, Chilean mining incident, it was because I really wanted to do the Thai soccer team stuff. But they were actually still trapped, and there was, like, very little information. Um, and so I'm very glad to have seen that, like, all of them got out, all of the soccer players and their coach, who I... Really want to say his name because he is literally being touted as a hero. He fucking, like, kept everybody alive and taught them how to meditate. And so they saved on oxygen and they didn't panic and all this good stuff that you're not supposed to do when you're trying to survive in a small space for a long period of time. He fucking taught them so well. His name is Ekapol Chantawong, I think. (laughs) I, no disrespect, I just don't know how to pronounce it, but he's great, and we're very proud of him, and he's an epically awesome survivor, and so are all those kids. So, just, there we go, a belated, yay. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I was gonna say, like, I don't think anything has, like, captured the world's interest in the way that the Thai soccer team did since the Chilean mining incident a few years back, so... I don't know what it is about things like that that brings the international community together where suddenly everybody's not racist and a piece of shit while we're waiting for some for people like to stop being trapped. Yeah, for like a hot sack. It doesn't last. No, it never does. Well, we're back to being racist. Uh, they got out of there and then it was three, two, one. Ha-boom! <laughs> That's how racism starts, in case you don't know. Oh, it always starts with a ha-boom. Yes. That is how you know it's about to happen, yep. apparently. Yep. You gotta listen for it very carefully. Very carefully. It's small. Sometimes it's it starts with a, well, actually. <laughs> when you're sitting at the Thanksgiving table across from your shitty uncle, if you listen very closely, you will know the exact moment he's about to say something nice about Trump. And it's because off in the distance, maybe many blocks away, you'll hear a ha-boom. And you'll think somebody's setting off fireworks on or Thanksgiving. like a car's backfiring. Right. But it's not that. No, it's a racism bat signal. Yeah, it's the universe telling you to watch the fuck out. Yeah. Anyway, we're going to do a fun-ish episode. Ish? Oh my god, did you do a me? <laughs> Emily's face right now, she's looking like, oh shit, was that what we were supposed to do? <laughs> no, I did, I did, I awesome. did, I did. Cool. I think. I mean, Ish. like, I will say it's... mine's not fun quirky. Uh, mine could be. Sure. I mean, anything could be fun, quirky, if you spin it right. Sure. Mine, mine's just not girl trapped in a box. Bad. Like, you know, it's it's regular, like, oh, that's kind of shitty, but you got through it. <laughs> mine does involve being trapped. Shit. Mine it's ha- fine. It's fine. That's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, 
You went first last time because we switched I it did, up. I did because I, yeah. Yeah, dope. So I, I can go first this time. And I did realize that mine has elements of things I've done before because, whoops, these are my favorite types of stories. Oh. So you'll notice as I go through, if you'd like to call out uh, Emily, you here in the studio, or you, the listening audience in your car, um, just call out the times I've done a story like this already. Are we playing Taylor Bingo? Yes. Should I get a Taylor Bingo board ready? Mm-hmm. Is this how we're going to do episode 30? Uh-huh. Because mine kind of has a callback to something we've talked about before. Shit. Oh, my God. This is episode 30 bingo. Whoa. We've had serial killer bingo blackout, <laughs> and now we're getting 30 episodes bingo. You do not need a blackout to win this one. Just no. a straight across or a diagonal. Technically, we didn't need a blackout to win that last one. No one Nobody. wants to win serial killer bingo. Exactly. Nobody won that last one. We both lost harder than we've ever lost. <laughs> um, oh, by the way, my free space is uh, just the word fuck, because I am going to say it a bunch and have already said it a bunch. So I'm going to think about my free space. Dope. Okay. Please do. Yeah. Yes. Um, I have like family who listens to this, and I wonder if they just think that I'm a horrible, disgusting human being. Because while I do swear in front of my family, I don't swear this much. This is like something about getting in front of this microphone. I'm like, fuck, shit, ass. Like forever. I don't know. Don't worry about it. But like the content's solid sometimes. I mean, yeah. Sometimes these are things that make you want to swear. And you just kind of got to. Yeah. You got to let it go. Julianne Cupkey. (laughs) I just thought I would pull a dollop (laughs) because I didn't know how else to start this. That's the name of our survivor. Emily's still laughing. Oh my God. <laughs> I have like West Side Story, like G Officer Krupke. <gasps> Krup you. But it's really the survivor. And it's just Cupkey. And actually, it might be Cupke. Somebody on Fox News said it that way, but it's, I don't trust it's, them. It's Cupkey now. Well, and she's German. Kupke. Kupke. K O E P C K E. Kupke. 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 Yeah. I'm calling Probably. her Julianne, because fuck okay, that. Okay, cool. <laughs> Glad we took the time to figure that one out. Yeah, look, it was fun. All right. It's Christmas Eve, 1971. The snow is falling. I'm setting the scene for people. I don't know if there was snow, uh, because this is uh, Lima, Peru. Oh. Uh, but okay. there, it, it was storming, so you're right about that. The rain is falling. Something is falling from the sky that may or may not be cold. Precipitation is happening. Julianne is with her mother, Maria, on a plane. The Lanza Flight 508, headed to go and see Julianne's father for Christmas. Both of Julianne's parents are zoologists. I know, it's super cute. They moved from Germany to Peru and eventually had Julianne, who is at this point a high school student, who attends... um, uh, she's attending school in Peru, in Lima, and she in- intends to also become a zoologist one day. Aww. I know, double aww. Cute family. So Julianne is 17, and she boards this plane, headed from Lima to Pucallpa, which is where her father is, and it's all very normal. Sure. And it's all fine. Uh-huh. But, mm. as they would say on like any TV show on the ID channel, all of that was about to change. <laughs> Oh my god, thank you. Perfect. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's exactly what that needed. Mm -hmm. Julianne and her mother start out the trip mostly just sort of annoyed because their plane has been delayed for seven hours due to bad weather. Mm. Lots of other flights have been canceled, so it's like people pushing their way to the like booking counter to get the one flight 
going out of Lima. And it's also Christmas Eve, so like Garbo. Yep. Here's the thing about Lanza as a organization with planes. <laughs> you know, a plorganization. Uh, no. <laughs> This is this is no longer your bachelorette weekend. You don't get to Portmanteau your way through this. Mm-mm. See, as I've actually told other people since then, I get to Portmanteau whenever I want because I'm awesome and it's fine. I feel like there's a reason you didn't tell me that. Um, yeah, I saved it for right now because you can't murder me on the podcast because that's evidence. Oh. oh, that's what you think. Evidence. I know where you store the files. Future police. Evidence. <laughs> this is evidence Not of my murder. Not police future police i assume they'll find my body in like the not today like you'd you'd probably be just (laughs) you'd be just good enough at hiding it that it'd be like a month or two from now that's still future police jake has headphones and he won't know what happened you're so right he seriously wouldn't know (laughs) he's literally one room away and he would have no idea if you killed me no idea no the upstairs neighbors might if i like did a real good scream Mm -hmm. future neighbors (laughs) (laughs) I might be murdered not, sometime in the next hour. Not to be confused with current neighbors. <laughs> no, we're all different people from one minute to the next. It's fine. <laughs> Look, here's the thing about this plane organization. <laughs> it's really bad. Mm-hmm. In the year before, um, they had had a plane crash where 99 out of 100 passengers had died. And when they... When Julianne and her family were looking for a flight to get her mother and her to her father for Christmas, their father said, fly anything but Lanza. Yeah. And the mom was like, it's fine. It's going to be fine. We're just going to fly Lanza. It's the only flight out. I feel like it's not going to be fine. Oh, my God. How astute of you. (gasps) It's like you understand the podcast. It only took 30 episodes. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Either way, Julianne and her mom board this plane at 11 a.m., A quote from Julianne that I love. Mother doesn't like flying. She's an ornithologist and says it's unnatural that a bird made of metal takes off into the air. (laughs) I like this mom. She's probably a little neurotic. Just a skosh. So, Julianne, however, does like flying and she's not nervous. Until, partway through the flight, she and the other passengers of the plane see this thick, dark cloud that they're flying directly towards and as they enter it everything goes almost pitch black it's crazy quote from julianne 10 minutes later it was obvious that something was very wrong (laughs) there was very heavy turbulence and the plane was jumping up and down parcels and luggage were falling from the lockers there were gifts flowers and christmas cakes flying around the cabin good visual i feel like if someone didn't get a concussion with a fruitcake in this story, I'm going to be disappointed. The thing is, we won't know. Because they're all dead, except for our survivor. You're so smart. Officer Krupke. <laughs> hey, Officer Krupke. Good job. <laughs> um, <laughs> so that is when they see the lightning surrounding the plane. Mm. It's going everywhere. You oh, know? yeah. You know when, like, a storm's real bad and there's just kind of lightning every two seconds? Yeah. It's like that. Yeah. But there's a big metal thing for it to hit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Also, I imagine there's always lightning, more lightning than we would see from the ground if you're in the fucking cloud. Yes. So it's everywhere. Science is weird. Science is super weird. And they hear people in the cabin crying and screaming. 
her mom is trying her best to sort of keep her cool, although she's very nervous. After 10 minutes of all this, although I'm sure it felt longer. Probably. Julianne remembers seeing a big white flash light up all the windows. Oh, God. What do you think happened, Em? Um, I think the plane was taken down by a direct hit of lightning that probably shorted out all of the electronics. Probs, yeah. And they just kind of start to free fall. That is such a good guess. Am I right? You are. <gasps> Let's what do it. I win? Nothing. This is a podcast. Wow. And you're already playing bingo. Listen, I am reward driven. You get to hear my voice like, some more for the next 20 to 25 minutes. Huzzah. Huh. So this fucks with me. This happens. This white light flashes. Mm-hmm. And Julianne's, Julianne says, my mother said very calmly, this is it. It's all over. Oh. Which is the scariest thing you could ever hear it out of your own like mom. like my mother. <laughs> oh, yeah, sure. Like, very practical. Just like, mm-hmm. Yep. No, we're probably yep, dead. just no. Okay. Uh, th- oh, right. I see. So this is how it's going to go down? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Those are the last words I ever heard from her. Julianne did not know this at the time, but the plane started to come apart in midair. Oh, shit. One article I read said it fucking disintegrated. Probably. Like. Lightning is very hot. Yeah. Also, it's 1971. And that plane, like most planes, although they've gotten a lot better, was probably held together by welding. Uh, yeah, sure. And like rivets. And just like so, so damn flammable. Like, when you get it hit with a really hot flash of lightning. It could, like, release all of those rivets and everything can just kind of fall apart, as it totally did. Yeah. Just bits of the plane start falling out. Pictures of the debris found of the plane are all in, like, small pieces. (laughs) There's no major part of the fuselage that survives. It's all little bits and pieces here and there. Shit. Here's what Julianne remembers. Quote, suddenly the noise stopped and I was outside the plane. I was in a free fall, strapped to my seat bench. (gasps) Oh, my God. And hanging head over heels. Oh! So she's going down. Oh, shit. Well, at first she's going down, like, heels first, and then the chair flips, and she's going down head first. The whispering of the wind was the only noise I could hear. Well, on the upside, once she hit terminal velocity, she wouldn't be going any faster. True. Hard to know, though, because also, once you hit terminal velocity, it is very hard to stay conscious. <laughs> yes. Also that. Yeah. But, like... <laughs> but, hey. you know... Look, we're looking for any kernel of niceness. Some helpful things. Just a little bit of light. So Julianne fell two miles out of the sky, still trapped strapped to the seat of the plane by her seatbelt. She goes down head first. When she hits the canopy, anyway, she is head first. And so she remembers the canopy of the jungle spinning toward her before she completely blacked out and does not remember the impact. When she came to, she checked her watch. That's the first thing she did. Yeah. You know how sometimes you're just like, you wake up somewhere and you don't really understand, so you're like, "Mm, what time is it? Well, first I try and figure out, like, where I am. Like, sometimes if I move my bed. Sure. I wake up disoriented. I get, like, I'm someone who likes to know the time, so this totally makes sense. Like, turning over and being like, what time is it? Okay, now where am I? (laughs) That's apparently what Julianne was about. It's 9 a.m. the following day. Oh, shit. Yeah. (laughs) So she's on the jungle floor. She looks up at the canopy of trees she had fallen through, and no one else is around her. She calls out for others, and she hears nothing. She realized that she was definitely injured. Yeah. But but not fatally so, crazily enough. 
Again, she felt two miles out of the sky. <laughs> Over 10,000 feet. <laughs> These are the things that are wrong with her. Oh. She has a gash in her right arm and in her left leg. She has okay. some other scratches. Her right eye is swollen shut. Her collarbone is broken. She has torn a leg ligament in one of her knees, and she has a severe concussion. To be real, that does not sound good. Yeah, the fact that any of those gashes didn't hit a major artery. For real. Considering, like, arms and legs, like... She honestly said they didn't bleed that much. Holy like, first shit. of all, she's in shock, like, probably for a really long time. Props. But still. So, she is able to walk, even with the torn ligament and everything. She believes that the chair turned itself to face to the ground, and it sort of buffered her against the impact, which could have been much worse. Also, she hit the canopy, might have slowed her down, but actually there's a lot of theories about why she might have survived, including one where they're like, well, maybe when she was originally ejected from the plane, her seat was still attached to the seats next to her on either side, and they functioned as a parachute to dampen the fall. Her mother was in one of those seats, however, and Julianne cannot and does not find her mom. Also, I read in one place that she had a window seat, so she doesn't have a seat on either side of her. There's a lot of conflicting shit. Either way, nobody knows how she made it through. I know how. Is it Jesus? No. Is it a Christmas miracle? Santa. Santa. It was Santa. Okay, I feel like Santa, with his fucking sled and his 12 goddamn magical flying reindeer, could have just taken her home. No. Okay. It was Christmas Eve. The fuck oh, are you talking about? That's so right. Santa's so damn busy. Yeah. He's probably like, ho, ho, ho. Here help- you go, little girl. I'll help you get to the ground, but then I'm fucking busy. Come on, Rudolph. It was Rudolph's idea to yeah. save her. He's the only nice yeah. one. <laughs> I hate that that just happens. <laughs> this is why you keep me around. It is. We know the truth now. It's beautiful and I love it. Let's talk about the jungle. Because she's in it now. Mm. She's just in the We're jungle. We're both going to talk about the jungle. Awesome. Oh, uh, we did it again. We did it again. For those of you who are updated on my bingo scorecard, uh, I'm doing a plane crash. Done it. Doing somebody surviving in the jungle. Done it. <laughs> Look, it's a good story and I really like these kinds. Anyway, Julianne's story of survival is far from over, even though she just survived a fucking plane crash. <laughs> Yes, most people who survive plane crashes haven't even faced, like, the worst. No. And, like, she's just about... She's got nothing. Some people who survive plane crashes, it's in just, like, a field in Kansas. And people are like, wow, that plane just crashed. We should probably help immediately. This did not happen in the middle of the Amazon for Julianne. Some snake somewhere is, like, slithering along. It's like, huh! And then keeps going. Exactly. That snake... One, an asshole. Two, the only one who knows this is happening. He has no arms. How could he help? <laughs> I don't... You're right. Yes. You're right. Yes. I'm sorry, Mr. Snake. Mm-hmm. So, this next part that she has to survive does have a lot less to do with luck than the first part. Because Julian's kind of a huge goddamn badass who knows the jungle. She's 17. I'll just reiterate that. While Julianne was studying at high school in Lima, her parents were stationed a few hundred miles away in the Amazon, manning a remote outpost, and doing what I assume was like some dope research on animals and the ecosystem, as they are zoologists. Mm. Julianne had spent a time in that outpost, I guess like between schools, she had like taken some time off, spent a year and a half right just there in the jungle with them. Which sure. is Sure. 
people do that, sure. I guess, if you're in Peru. So she knows a hell of a lot more about the jungle and its plants and its animals than, say, like I do. Or than like you do. Or than like anybody does. I just want to say that I would have died in this. I think that's what I'm trying to get at. I would be dead if I were Julianne. And actually, while I was thinking about that while typing this up, I realized I would have died in every one of the situations we've ever talked about. <laughs> there's no There's your next way. bingo. Yeah, there's... I, whether or not I would be dead could also be a free space because the answer is just yes. It's just the word yes in the middle. That's why I like this podcast because I don't understand these people at all. I would have died immediately. I never would have gotten on that plane. Actually, also that. Yeah. Also that. Like, I never would have fucking gotten on that plane. (laughs) So, in addition to her injuries, Julianne has lost a shoe and her glasses and she is nearsighted. What is with people losing one shoe? I mean, why not? Do so you remember our good, good forest ranger? Mm. He kept losing a single shoe. Who got struck by lightning yeah. all those times? Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, I assume the lightning just shot it well, off. Maybe I mean, that's... we knew the lightning had a vendetta against his shoes. Right. So maybe this lightning was related to that lightning. And they were like, fuck the shoe in particular. This lightning was the parent lightning yes. <laughs> of the lightning that yes. struck our good friends. This makes sense. Oh, my God. We're oh getting it. Oh, my God. We're getting it sentient lightning there is an uh-oh feeling extended universe that i think there we're is. uncovering yes. slowly and i think sentient lightning is on both of our bingo cards <laughs> okay so she's very nearsighted so she had to use the foot with the shoe on it to feel in front of the ground as she walked to make sure it was That's okay to walk smart. but imagine every step like that and also you're injured as fuck you know or you could just run really fast until you run into something yeah true god that seems safe oh Oh, god oh god oh god oh and i should mention that all of this the walking very slowly and the not fucking up is after a half a day of her just like kind of moving for a second and then passing the fuck out because she had such a severe concussion that she would black out every like minute so she's already been in the jungle for a bit and now she's just sort of inching her way forward also this is my favorite part also, the pressure change from inside to outside of the cabin made the capillaries in her eyes pop, so the whites of her eyes are blood red. She says, I must have looked like a zombie wandering around out yeah. there. But I mean, on the upside, that'll heal itself. Yes. Usually. You just look nuts. You just look real gross. Completely we deal right. with people calling about that, being Ugh. like, I have a blood vessel that's broken in my eye. Do something about it. And it's like, no, we can't. You literally have a bruise on your eye because your eye doesn't have any skin. It looks real gross. Yeah. Super sorry. Bye. Yeah, it's just going to go away. I remember, like, people in high school, they'd walk into class and, like, that will have happened. And you're just like, yeah. what the fuck? Yeah. Like, it's I gross. I couldn't look at them. Yeah. Yeah. She's got that, but in both of her eyes. That's fun. So Super I guess great. the eye that was swollen shut has opened. I mean, it's still swollen for sure, but, like, it's underneath all that. It's the blood vessels have yeah, still popped. Yeah. She just can't see herself anyway. Yeah, she was told fine. later on, by the way, you look nut bar. She finds some sweets. I don't know what that means. Every article just said sweets. And maybe candy I'm just bars. Picturing, like candy bars yeah. on the trees. Right. Like stapled to the leaves. That's what Santa did. Santa that's left those. Santa. <laughs> no, that's what Rudolph did. That's what the snake did. Oh, shit. <laughs> we have a Wait, lot of. How did the snake use a staple gun? Oh, no, a staple gun he could use. How did okay. Rudolph 
use a staple gun. Okay, I'm just saying. That's fair. I like to think it's Santa and it's Rudolph and it's the snake all working together to make a Christmas. nice little pass. Yeah. Look. <laughs> Mi- miracles happen on Christmas. Miracles happen <laughs> once in a while. Um, so whatever. Either way, who knows what happened. But there's candy bars near her crash site and she grabs those and those are her real food. The only food she has for the entire ordeal. After about a day of searching for her mom... Oh, Like no. I said, yeah, she doesn't find her. Probably not. Yeah. And she also doesn't find any help at all, any other people at all. Well, I mean, it's the Amazon. Yeah, so... Well... Dense as fuck forest. Exactly. So Julianne does come across a small stream, and she remembers her father telling her to always follow water if she found it lost in the jungle, because a stream will flow into a gradually larger water body of water until you reach a river, hopefully. yeah. yeah. And then a river is where a lot of people set up camp and have civilizations and shit. And then there are piranhas. And then sometimes there's piranhas. It's the Amazon. <laughs> Just like, don't go in the don't water. Don't go in the water. But yeah, that's a cool survival tip for our listeners. Hey. You lost in the forest? Find water. Follow water. Very good. Listen, listen follow to the Julianne's current dad. of the water, yes. too. Yeah. Don't just follow water blindly. Right. <laughs> Guys, like. She follows this stream. I hate us. Oh, God. She follows this stream and it does gradually get larger. Basically until it's a river for 10 days. Ooh. 10 days of inching your way forward with a severe concussion and a bunch of cuts and shit. Ow. Broken collarbone. Most of her injuries are things you just kind of have to get through. Right. It just she has to have to be wandering. very lucky for that. So lucky. Totally. Let's talk about some of the stuff that happened over those 10 days. Mm. Some main bullet points, if you will. She sees animals. They are strangely tame to her. More than she would have thought. Probably because she looks fucking nuts. Maybe. She probably looks like an animal a bit herself. That gives her some hope, though. But the river does seem completely uninhabited and untraveled as far as she can tell. At least where she is then. From spending time in the forest with her parents, Julianne knows which animals are dangerous and which are just sort of steer clear. It's fine. Don't You don't have to be afraid of every single thing out there. She specifically mentions being very lucky that she didn't come across any snakes that disguise themselves as leaves. Yeah. That would be bad. You she don't want to kick that with your foot. No, as you're trying to inch forward and you can't see. Most of them are poisonous. Mm-hmm. Ah, the Amazon. Yes. So that was a bit, little bit of luck on her yeah. part. Yeah. Um... Number two, Julianne hears rescue planes overhead, but through the thick canopy of trees that is literally everywhere, she can't see them, and they can't see her. Number three, the gash on her right arm. Hey, this is gross. Oh, I I think I know what's coming. So a fly lays eggs in it? Yep, yep. And their larvae hatch, and then they eat a hole in her arm. But um, (laughs) that actually could also be good. Keeping the infection? Are they eating because the infection? Because it's keeping the flesh fresh. Ooh, interesting. So, like, she can't gangrene or have... Necrotic shit. Necrotic oh. shit because they're eating... Interesting. So, like, yeah, it's super fucking gross, but it also probably helped. Yeah, okay. Minus the eating a hole in her arm thing, mm-hmm. but, like... Yeah, that part's not good. She was worried that they would have to amputate her arm. And they probably didn't, did they? No. In See? the end, she was uh-huh. fine. Yeah. I just can't imagine... The power of bugs. Yeah, thanks, bugs, I guess. What the fuck? Maybe. It's Maybe. gross, but, like, okay. I can't imagine just, like, walking along, and then you look down every once in a while, 
and uh, there's just like a hole and there's larvae in your arm. I would uh, vomit and die. Anyway. I'd cut my arm off. Oh my God, I would cut my own damn arm off. You're right. I just want to mention that that part that we just talked about where we were pretty chill about it, I got to say. Um, I was reading a Vice article and it's all the parts where the person asks a question are in bold and all her answers are not. And when she mentions that the fly laid eggs and then there's larvae eating her flesh, the interviewer doesn't ask another question. The next bold departure says, oh, my God. <laughs> Which made me laugh real fucking hard. I was like, Vice, you didn't need to put that in there. Except they totally did. So they totally didn't. It was wonderful. Four. Julianne comes across a hole in the ground three feet deep. In that hole, she finds three airplane chairs with the mangled bodies of three passengers strapped inside each of them. She can only make out what gender they are by the pants and shoes they're wearing and by the fact that one of them had toenail polish on. She had to get pretty damn close to figure that one out. Uh, yeah. Considering she, she's nearsighted. Uh-huh. Without she, her glasses. As far as I know, just sort of sat in front of the hole feeling paralyzed for a while. Okay, yep, shock does it. Yep, quote, she says, I don't know why exactly. Maybe it was respect for the dead or the thought that they hadn't made it. I think you're just existentially horrified on a level that makes you unable to move for a while. But on the upside, they There's, probably didn't feel any pain. Probably not. They probably it died is, instantly. Yeah, yeah. That impact was so hard, Yeah. they were three feet if in the ground. they didn't die before even hitting the ground. Mm-hmm. But yeah, imagine like looking at a thing that's like, that was so close to happening to me, and now I'm here instead. Crazy. It's that, it's, because sometimes with the research, at least the deep, dark holes I go into on the internet mm -hmm. to find these things for you people. Yeah. Um, sometimes there are crime scene photos. Ugh. And it's just like that, that <clears throat> recognition of that used to be a person. Sure. Versus like, this is just a pile of something. Mm -hmm. Like... Yeah. So also dealing with that on top of a concussion, on top of everything else going on. Right. You're injured. You're probably still already in shock. probably already in shock. You like, haven't eaten anything other than like sweets. some sweets in like several days. Yeah. It's all happening. Five and last. Eventually, she stops hearing the rescue planes, which is very sad. Oh. This is just like what happened to the uh, the dudes. In the Chilean mountains. <laughs> they also stopped hearing the rescue planes, and that, that makes you lose hope pretty quick, which is she, something she said. Does she see someone across the river? Does she throw a note to someone across I the river? I super wish that had happened. Does she eat the people? <laughs> does this have cannibalism, Taylor? She's got no one to eat. She's alone. She could eat the maggots out of her own arm. Oh! She did not mention doing that, but that is totally something that Cat. I could see happening. That's a form, that's a form of cannibalism, though. If they've eaten you and you've yeah. eaten them, yeah. yeah. It's like it's like by the transitive property, you're now a cannibal. And then, on the tenth day, after realizing that she is completely alone... The world was formed. And must get out. Uh, and, then, and then on the tenth day, she rested. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's not true. She did, But she did realize she had to rely on her own strength. And then, on the tenth day, Julianne comes across a boat in the river. Oh, shit. So, the sun is beginning to set on the tenth day, and Julianne decides to find a place to lay down and sleep. She looks for flat places next to, like, a tree or an embankment so that nothing can sneak up on her behind her back. That's smart. Very smart. 
She's just laying down in a place she found when she looks out at the river and sees a boat. There's nobody in the boat. Just a boat. It's just tied up. Quote, I thought I was hallucinating at first, that I was starting to lose my mind, which I would totally believe if I were her. I stared at the boat and moved toward it slowly. I couldn't move fast because I was so weak. Then I touched it. She touched the butt. <gasps> she touched the butt. <laughs> it was a real boat with an external motor, like not like a tree with paddles or something. You know, like a canoe. <laughs> I saw a little path close by leading into the forest. Very, very slowly she makes her way to that path and then up. It's just a big old hill. Take the boat and run! Uh, that's the thing. She's wondering if, like, there's a house or people living beyond that path who own this boat. She has to crawl up this hill, and it takes forever. Because literally, she is dying of starvation. Yeah. She makes it. Here, she finds gasoline for the boat, which she pours over the wound in her arm to kill the bugs. <laughs> Ow! She says... Oh, God! Yeah, she says the pain is unbearable for anybody who wasn't sure if that was a thing. Oh, God. Uh-huh. All she finds there is a shack. And when she says shack, she doesn't even mean a thing with walls. It doesn't have walls. It's got four posts and a roof. And it's got this gasoline and a couple of other supplies. Clearly, like, a stop-off place for somebody using a boat who might need more gas or, like, fishing supplies. That night, she decides to go back down to the river to sleep because it's softer. As again, it's getting dark already. Then it starts to rain the next morning, so she goes back up to the shack. She tries lamely to catch some frogs that she can see hopping around, thinking, I should eat something or I'll die. That's a quote from her. Hey, fun fact. <laughs> that's, my, that's my middle circle. That's my, my free spot is fun fact. Hey, fun fact, yeah. So, fun fact... When I was doing my research, I actually found a guy that lived in, like, the Australian desert off of frogs only. Shit. So, like, that was a very good call on her part. Oh, you know it would have been? Oh, if she could catch them. One, she is too slow to catch them. But she says that was actually a good thing because, two, those were poisonous dart frogs. And at the time, she didn't care. Yeah, that would have been a quick way to go, though. But she, yeah, true. She would have died uh, pretty fast, I'm sure. But, yeah, she was not able to catch them. Very, very weak still from hunger and exhaustion. And she decides, there is literally no reason to move on from here. Maybe I'll just lay here another day and I'll move on the next day. So she just decides she's kind of over it. Yeah. Honestly. Which is understandable. Oh, yeah. It's hard to know if this plan would have worked, because Julianne wasn't in any pain, not even from the starvation. She was so completely Her numb. body was shutting down. Yes. She's completely apathetic to it as well, which is yeah. what happens when you're dying. Yeah. When you're drowning or freezing or you starving. You just kind of stop. You just kind of stop. And she had done that. She's gone so far, but she's also gone so long without food, that the thought of laying down and dying just wasn't even a big deal. So, quote, And in the moment... When I made my decision to stay there for another night, after I realized there wasn't any point in moving on, I suddenly heard voices. Three people emerged from the forest. When they saw me, they were pretty freaked out. Yeah. My eyes were still bloodshot. Yeah. Even though ten days had passed, they were bright red. That shit takes a while to heal. I'm sure the swelling had gone down on the one Especially eye. Especially if, like, multiple veins had popped. Oh, like... yeah. I, I mean, a lot of them, probably. Yeah. Because, again, it's so, pressure. Like... Oh my god, she's terrifying. She's, yes. I spoke perfect Spanish, 
So I told them what had happened and who I was. They had heard about the crash on the radio. They gave me food and took care of my wounds, and we spent the night there in the hut. The next day, these three people, who, other favorite part, they for real at first believed that Julianne was a spirit. They called it the Yemanha, because this is a white girl of German descent in the Amazon with blood red eyes. <laughs> you know, that's fair. I mean, honestly, I though, be mad. no, she, she did convince them that was not true. She's a real ass person. She really needs help. So they do take care of her. And then the next day they get in the boat and they take her to a village further down river where she is taken to a local hospital. This part kind of sucks for Julianne. Just because, oh God, she's only a short distance from Pucalpa, which is where she was trying to get originally, where her father is. Oh God. And by a short distance, I mean a 15 minute plane ride. <gasps> she has to get back on a plane. Oh no. Yeah. And she says, quote, that didn't feel great. <laughs> she's so fucking German. <laughs> she's so chill. She's the chillest lady. Like the part where she's like, I need to eat something or I'm going to die. That was also part of the Vice article. And he's like, you say that really calmly. And she's like, I was very calm about everything. <laughs> I was going to die. A <laughs> little bit of the aftermath here. Julianne is reunited with her father and it's lovely. And she describes this long process of never being able to really sit with what happened because she was suddenly famous overnight. Yeah. That'll happen. Surviving a plane crash where they, like, can't find really any yes. solid pieces and everyone's like, what the fuck? Right. Like, how are you even yeah. here? Yeah. She was getting interviews. Sure. Her father sold the rights, like, exclusively to, like, a German magazine. Um, She had to talk to authorities about where she'd landed so they could find the bodies in the jungle. Mm -hmm. And eventually they found Julianne's mother's body. Aww. And what was really sad is that it is clear that she... Maria, Julianne's mother, and several other people had survived the initial crash. Oh, no! But they were so injured they couldn't move and they died a few days into the, like, sitting oh. in the forest just waiting. Yeah, dude. God. That's my biggest fear. I know. Oh, my God. Just, like, being Surviving completely... something horrifying and not being able to do anything to get up and go. Yeah. I think I would be upset about not having gotten to have the quick death. Yeah. And having to have the slow one instead. But then I'm stubborn enough. <laughs> like, I feel like I would just make myself get up. Because I'd be so mad. <laughs> so pissed. Though, like, this like, is not oh, how I go out. I'm not dead. You fuck. <laughs> Watch me. Fuck you, Santa. <laughs> I swear to God. I'm getting the hell up. I will drag my bloody stumps. And Back to the North getting Pole. getting me my easy bake oven I wanted when I was six. <laughs> so it has been 47 years since the crash. Julianne has authored a book called When I Fell from the Sky. She is also the subject of a movie, this is great, called Wings of Hope by Werner Herzog. Oh, Werner. Werner. Yeah, Werner. Came out in 1998. For that movie, which she is in, she returned to the site of the crash with Werner. And saw some of the wreckage still out there. Just still sitting out there. And she said sure. it was very therapeutic. Okay. Fun fact. Oh. I'm taking out a, your, a page Ooh. out of your book. Werner Herzog wanted to make this movie because he had a ticket for that flight. And it got canceled at the last minute because he had an itinerary change. Oh, he was shit. scouting for another movie. He almost died on that plane. I thought you were going to say he died in a plane crash later. No. I was like, oh, shit. I actually don't know about what 
Werner Herzog is up to but if he he's alive could or have what. Died. Totally. Exactly. He was like, boom, that close. Julianne was the sole survivor of Lanza Flight 508. Quote, the thought, why was I the only survivor, haunts me. It always will. And that's my story. All right. I'm proud of you, Julianne. I know we say that a lot, but I am. Marina Chapman. <laughs> Did I do it right? It was very good. <laughs> I'm so happy right now. It was great. We can't do that as a thing, though, because it we sucks can't. stealing from the dollop and also <laughs> very annoying. <laughs> we, just, we can't. I just love it, I don't it, though. operate this way. No, it's, 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 it's great, though. All right. So I'm going to preface this story by saying there's a lot of people out there that don't believe this is true. Whoa. Interesting. Mainly because she was so young and this story is so fucking fantastical. It should be a Disney movie. But like a fucked up Disney movie. Oh God. But she's kind of a Disney princess. Dope. All right. Here we go. Marina Chapman is the woman who was raised by monkeys. You shut your (laughs) whore mouth. That is not... Oh! Okay. Oh! Remind me to do a boy raised by wolves next time. All what right. the fuck? Uh-huh. <laughs> so it's about like 3.45 in the afternoon. I get a message from Taylor <laughs> reminding me that we're recording tonight. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> this is what I found, okay? And it's very interesting. So she was with the monkeys for about five years. Shit. Deep in the Colombian jungle. So we're still in South America. Oh, yeah. Hey, hey. what's up? Hey. Yeah. Yeah. With no human company. Just monkeys. How did the fuck did she get out there? Let me tell you. Did she fall from a plane? No, she did, did not. Did Santa drop her off? Santa did not drop her off. Santa had nothing to do with this. What about Rudolph? Nope. Or a snake? Nope. Damn well- it. <laughs> Is this Jungle Book? Basically, damn it. Yes. Oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, oh my kind god, oh my of. god. Look, Mowgli is a Disney princess. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right, so shortly before her fifth birthday, so she's four. Oh, guys. Oh my god. And remember, she's our survivor. So she's four. She was playing, and suddenly two adults crept up behind her. Quote, I saw a hand cover my mouth, a black hand with a white hanky. Then I realized there were two people taking me away. There were children in the background. I could hear them crying. Oh, shit. So she was probably chloroformed. Mm Mm-hmm. And she was being driven deep into the Colombian rainforest. But for some reason, they just, they dumped her. They didn't keep her. So she was left- as a four-year-old in the Colombian rainforest. She's clearly taken from a place where there are other children. She was near her home. And no adults. No adults. Four-year-old out playing. And then just left. And then left in the Colombian rainforest. Holy shit. So she describes how she thought the kidnappers would come back for her, but they didn't. So we don't know why they decided to dump her. We maybe don't they, know what the thought process was. Maybe they couldn't find her. 
She just wandered a little bit into the brush and they were like, shit, where's that tiny kid? <laughs> All right. Uh-oh. <laughs> so there's a quote from an article I found. This is actually the article that like turned me on to this story because it was just like such a bullshit written article. It's great. At some point you sent me the message, I know what I'm doing! In yes. like all caps. Because this is the article. This is a quote from the article. And because her father wasn't Liam Neeson, the story sadly does not end with a bunch of dead terrorists, punched wolves, and promptly rescued little girls. Are you telling me that no one had a certain set of skills? No one had a certain <laughs> set of skills. Awesome. All right. So she's in the forest. Or I'm sorry, in the rainforest. The rainforest. Thinking someone's going to come by and see her. So she says, because she, she ended up writing a book about this with her daughter, which I'll later talk about. She says that she wept and screamed, and still nobody came, so she just started walking. Oh. A four-year-old in the rainforest who was not looking for snakes and things. Sure, yeah. Feet. No. Um, she started walking, trying to find a way back home, or to any sign of human life. Her dress eventually became so frayed it was barely a dress anymore. Mm. Finally, she did come across an extended family of monkeys. Just, now, what? Just what? Marina <laughs> said that she was relieved because they weren't human, but they looked human-ish. Sure, to a kid. I yeah. suppose it's like close enough. So she settled down in that part of the jungle. Hmm. Now, the monkeys ignored her at first, <laughs> which was actually really good for her. Because as we've learned in a previous podcast, monkeys can turn on you. Yeah, monkeys are scary as yeah. shit. So... She was really lucky. She just literally just sat down and they just kind of went about their business. And eventually, eventually they kind of started to pick up on her. But like in that first part, she was really envious of the monkeys. She wanted what they had. She just wanted to be like a part of a family. It's really okay, guys. This is really sad. I'm so sorry. Oh, no. Oh, no. (laughs) All right, so at one point, she gets food poisoning from a tamarind. And I'm including this description of it because it, it doesn't sound English. It's, <laughs> <laughs> it's a leguminous tree in the family of Facaceae, indigenous to tropical Africa. So they're saying it's a legume? The genus tamarindus is a monotypic <laughs> taxon. I hate you. Having only a single species. <laughs> <laughs> I told you it didn't sound English. Super doesn't. Look, so, science sounds dumb all the it time. It does. So it's a pod-like fruit that has an edible pulp. Okay. You know, they could have okay. just said that. They could have just said that. But no. <laughs> it's leguminous. You know, my fa- favorite things are leguminous. Mmm, <laughs> sexy. So she thought she was going to die. So she's writhing in agony. Oh. And this little, she's five now, probably. Sure. And this elder monkey, who she called Grandpa. Oh my God. Guys, like this, I can't fucking make this up. Fuck. Led her to muddy water. So she followed the monkey to the water. Mm-hmm. She drank the water, threw up, and then started to recover. Oh. So the monkey basically saved her life. Took her to, like, icky water so that she would throw yes. up. 
and get rid of and get, and what was bad. making her sick. Wow. That is smart. So after that, the younger monkeys started to kind of befriend her. Ooh. And she started to watch them. And she learned how to climb trees. She learned how to figure out what was safe to eat and what wasn't. And then how to clean herself. Man. And then she started walking underneath the monkeys that were carrying armfuls of bananas. Because eventually they would drop one. And if she was quick enough, she could grab it. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. With time, because remember, she was with them for like five years. Mm -hmm. The monkeys allowed her to sit in the trees with them. And then when they were away looking for food, she would got she got lonely because she would wait for them to come back. But they would come back for her Aww. and bring her food. Oh, my God. And the interviewer asked, did she ever think much about her human family? And she says that she has no memory of anything before the kidnapping. Whoa. She was so young. Well, I mean, I suppose. I don't know if I remember anything before four. The shock of what happened. Yeah. So there's a quote. I keep working at it, but there's nothing. I've tried to imagine it so many times. Imagine your first memory being being kidnapped. Yeah. That seems like what it is. Yeah. So she's not sure she would have survived. No, sorry. She is sure she wouldn't have survived without the monkeys, which they're guessing were capuchins. Capuchins. Oh. Which are cute little monkeys. Yeah. And they're like, they're, they're known for being more friendly towards humans. If these were like chimps or something, she might have just been dead. Torn apart. Yeah. 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 So basically they adopted her. And she kind of started to feel hopeful again. Cute. Quote. This is really cute. I mean, it's gross, but it's cute. Oh, God. What? (laughs) They were just tolerating at first. They don't really love you. One day, one of the younger ones landed on my shoulders. And if you've never been hugged in your life, and this animal climbs over your shoulders and puts their hands on your face, I tell you, it's the nicest touch. Aww. And then she says she started to feel accepted by the monkeys when they started to pee on her leg. Hey, what? <laughs> hey, that last part, though? Hey, I told what? you it was cute, but kind of gross. Yeah. I mean, like... I'm guessing to mark her as... One of theirs? Theirs. Yeah, I guess. But did they pee on each other? I think so. I don't or know. Or do they think that she's like some sort of pet? I don't know. She's less family. She belongs to them. <laughs> that would be crazy. This is our pet human. <laughs> We've named her Angela. Oh We've never God. asked what her real name is. We don't That's speak what... English. No. And we don't care, frankly. <laughs> All right. So she was asked how she passed time in the jungle. I mean, yeah. And she said everything became about food. So you wake sense. up in the morning and think, okay, what are you going to find to eat today? And then when you go to sleep at night, it's like, oh. What can I eat tomorrow? She would also play with the birds, creepy crawlies, and lizards. With, quote, it's fun. Oh, my God. (laughs) It super sounds like she just became an animal. Yeah. Like, that's all animals really do. They do some things to entertain themselves, especially monkeys, because they're a little smarter. There's, like, a thing that I cut out because I didn't really have time to get into it. But she, even as an adult, retained... She worked better walking on all fours than upright. Goddamn. I mean, I guess 
So her favorite, her absolute favorite pastime, though, was sitting in the trees and being groomed by the monkeys. I bet that feels nice. Yeah. She said it was just really soothing. I bet. But, you know, when the story started to come out, because she spent so long with the monkeys and that's how she was raised, newspapers started trying to say that that's how she raised her own daughters. Oh. Like saying, like, she wouldn't feed them unless they made monkey noises. (sighs) Which she's like, it's not true. (laughs) We are not living amongst monkeys. Yeah, a story got manipulated that, like, when her children would refuse to eat, she would play the game of, like, okay, make a monkey noise. And then suddenly, like, they would start to eat and sure. they'd have fun with it. And... But it's more sensational to say they had to make the monkey noises or yeah. I wouldn't feed them. Yes. So eventually, she spotted some hunters that kept coming into the jungle. Now, they were terrifying because hunters, but also yeah. she recognized that they were like her. Huh, Okay. So one day she just approached the hunters completely naked on all fours (laughs) and like grunted at them. Yeah. (laughs) So they, they took her out of the jungle. I mean, yeah. What would you do if you saw like a tiny naked child? Just be like, like, I think that one needs to go from here. (laughs) Oh my God. But. They didn't take her to a nice place. Oh, no, 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 no. It's always darkest before (laughs) the dawn. So what you're saying is that this is not the light. So they (laughs) sold her into a brothel. Oh, no! Oh, my God. That's... Oh, my God. I don't know what I was thinking, but that's somehow worse. I just felt like I needed to just, like, rip that Band-Aid off. You really did, and you did it good, but also I hate you. Wow. (laughs) Um, they gave her the name of Gloria, Ugh. which was not her name. No one no. knew what her name was. But I'm she was now Gloria. I'm surprised she remembered what her name was, to be really honest. She doesn't. Oh, she made up her own name? Yeah. Fuck. Okay. So they named her Gloria. Gross. And then they forced her to clean, and she was regularly beaten. But here's a oh. mini light. Just before she was given to her first man, she escaped. Quote. Dope. It was my turn. I ran as I had never run before. Dope. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So she she got out and she said that she was lucky that she was able to get out. This is a movie. This is like a two-parter. Right? Like, it's yeah. crazy. So after the brothel, <sighs> she lived on the streets of Kukutta with other homeless children. So she's moved from a pack of monkeys to a pack of homeless children. And that's fine. It's just newsies or whatever. <laughs> like South American Colombian newsies. Yeah. Let's comfort ourselves with that so this image. This is kind of badass. Consider yourself. <laughs> oh, my God. No. <laughs> she was renamed Pony Malta because she resembled the dark drink that's in a short bottle that's named that. So oh, that's so what she they was called like her. little. Yeah. <laughs> that's adorable. She's like nine or ten by now. Sure. And she started putting the skills that she'd learned from the monkeys to use. So she turns into a little Robin Hood and starts stealing from wealthy people 
Well, wait, is she walking under them as they carry bags no. of money Here's waiting for the them thing. to drop some? <laughs> kind of. <laughs> Shut up. So one trick that she described is she used to creep up on young women wearing short skirts, pull down their knickers, and then run off with their bags. <laughs> yeah, that would make yeah. me drop my bag. Yeah, yeah. that's... um. And then because she, it's a little girl, I'm less creeped out right. about it. <laughs> and then she would hide in the treetops. Oh, my God. She would take all of her stuff up into the trees and then wait. She's the perfect little thief. Seriously. <laughs> I'm kind of proud, even though that's I know. fucked up. <laughs> I'm like low-key impressed. Yeah. So one day, a girl told her, or one of her friends told her that she'd escaped to the streets by working for board and lodging as a domestic. Okay. So Marina eventually found a family who agreed to take her in. Her name is changed again to Rosalba. Oh, my God. But they weren't good people. No. They were actually no. really bad criminals who what enslaved is- her and made her sleep beneath the stove. What is going on? Why can't anybody just be cool for like a second? And a quote from that first article I found was Jesus, she's two talking birds in a magic scarf away from a Disney movie. <laughs> Wait, did the person writing it say that? Yes. Well, what a crazy person. I love whoever wrote that. <laughs> so she, she managed to escape with the help of a neighbor, a woman called Maruha, who mm-hmm. had nine children of her own. This was an older woman. So eventually Maruha gets her out, and then sends her to live with one of her own children in Bogota. Okay. So Maruha bought her a, bl- a plane ticket and then gave her the first present that Marina ever remembers receiving. Oh. Yes. So it was a box, and she specifically remembers it was tied with a yellow ribbon. And mm-hmm. it held a dress that was pale blue satin, a hair clip, white socks, and a pair of shiny white shoes. Oh, baby. And she said the dress was the most beautiful thing she's ever seen. That's adorable. So at around 14, she was adopted by Maria, who was Maruha's daughter that she sent her to live with. Hmm. Maria told her that she was now free and she should choose her own name. Dope. So she called herself Luz Marina. Luz after a Colombian beauty queen. Hmm. So her adopted family had done pretty well for themselves. In the textile business, mm. they didn't have a bad futon store, <laughs> unlike some people. Look, so let's not bring him into they're, this. <laughs> they're in the textile business. And in 1977, we are, woo, I jumped 20 years there. Woofa doofa. They sent their children to Bradford, which was one of the centers of the wool industry in London, I believe. Oh. Yes. Schmancy. Yes. So Marina followed as the nanny taking care of Maria's children. Okay. And she met her future husband at church. Now, Marina says she had no faith at the time because she'd witnessed too much of man's inhumanity. Legit. And she and John had no common language, but they fell in love. She didn't speak English? No. So they're just... Spotting each other from across the church and yeah. being awkward, but they can't talk. Oh, it's... Across uh, a crowd. 
crowded room. It's a lot. It's so Disney. I can't wait to go through every movie I'm pretty sure is happening right now. Yeah. Because I've got them in my head, so. And six months to the day that they met, they married. Oh, wait, did they ever talk? Did either of them learn the other's language? Fun fact. Oh, God. Question. When did she tell him the full story? Quote from her husband. It's still coming out. Oh, my God. Seriously. None of it came out till after we were married. By the way, I was raised by monkeys yeah, and then a brothel and then a slave owner. And then <laughs> his, he keeps saying, I think she mentioned monkeys, but I thought she meant there were monkeys around the village where she lived. And no, my dude. Uh-uh. <laughs> so Marina's daughter used to say that she would tell stories at bedtime about the jungle and monkeys and stealing bananas, but they never thought it was She's, anything real they thought it was just a story they were just she just had a great imagination yep nope. and and she would show them how to climb trees and it all just seemed like like good fun I and sometimes it. she'd walk around on all fours and that just made them laugh that's adorable and sometimes oh she God. struggled with things like opening doors but they never thought anything of it oh my god because guys there's no doors in the jungle i mean i guess Doorknobs so, can be complicated if you don't know what the fuck is going on. Every time she sees a new type of doorknob, she's like, oh, oh shit. shit. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. So when the girls started to make friends and started meeting their parents, they began to recognize the fact that their mother was unique. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> a quote from the daughter being like, we'd be like, what? You don't climb trees or you don't warn us about snakes? That's when we noticed the difference. Oh, my God. You don't warn us about snakes. <laughs> so I can't believe they're just like every time they want to go through a walk in the park. She's like, now be careful of snakes. I swear to God. Snakes. Them bitches will get you. <laughs> so kind of talking about her journey into to learning and adapting again. For sure. So here's a quote from her. I wasn't an angelic child. When I was young, bitchiness used to come out of me, jealousy, because I couldn't have the things I wanted. When I came out of the jungle, I had to learn how to sit in a chair, how to open doors, sanitation, all things I'd never done. I'm still really bad in terms of sitting down and behaving like anybody else. I watch people eating their food and I copy them. I felt I'd been a bad person as a child and that stays with you. Because you were brought up in a brothel house, you feel bad about it. You feel you shouldn't mention it to anybody. Your family adopts you as a child, and you think if you tell them, they will chuck you out. I was frightened people would try to exercise me because they'd think that I'd got, gotten something vile into their lives. Shit. Yes. So, eventually, she meets a woman in Bradford shortly after she'd arrived, telling her... Like, this life-saving advice, basically, to keep her out of a loony bin. Sure. Quote, be careful. Don't climb too many trees in front of your children, because they're going to school, and if their friends see you doing that, they'll start bullying them. Yeah, that's legit. Yep, so Marina eventually focused on becoming normal. She trained as a cook, and then worked her way up to becoming a chef 
at Bradford's National Media Museum. Oh, good for her. Yeah. That's awesome. Hey, her whole life used to be about food. Yeah. And, and just now it's still it. about food. Yeah. But like, like during this interview, she serves the people chili. Dope. Like, I... Yeah, she must have just been like, I like worrying about food. <laughs> yeah, as my coworker says, food is life. For sure. So Completely agree. Yeah. That's awesome. She also became a respected member of the church and a loving mother, forever making sure her children and grandchildren don't go hungry. So still worrying about food. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's beautiful. So when she started telling the stories, her daughter Vanessa started putting it together and they originally wanted to do this as a private document for the family. But the more she found out, the more it was like, oh, shit, this should be a book. But they couldn't they couldn't find a publisher that was willing to take it on. Because they didn't while, believe it? Because it looked, it was so fantastical. Yeah, that's legit. <laughs> but the thing that Vanessa really wanted to do was to get it published so that maybe her mother could track down her biological parents. Oh, yeah. They weren't planning on doing it for the money because they planned to give all proceeds from the book to a charity for abandoned children. Hmm. Yeah. Adorable. Yeah. So they traveled to Columbia to try and make sense of some of Marina's past. She never found the rainforest where she spent her formative years, but they did find the brothel oh, that she'd been okay. sold into and the <clears throat> mafia house where she'd been enslaved. Oh, shit. Okay. That's awesome. I imagine her patch of jungle is hard to find. Yeah. Yeah. But... Especially considering she was driven in there. Yeah. So here's a quote kind of of her adapting. You do learn a lot of instincts from animals, especially when you are having to survive on the streets in a city. When you have to defend yourself, you know how to fight back. Whenever I've been attacked, I always hit before they hit me. You become a survivor. You become resilient and hard. I consider myself a really hard person. Tough. I take any problem I've got and get on with it because you just have to carry on to survive. Awesome. Yeah. She killed it. She killed it. She killed it like four different times in yeah. a row. Yeah. All right, let's talk about this. Oh, God. So it's Tarzan first. Okay. And then it's Cinderella and then it's just like Newsies. Yeah. And then it's Cinderella again. Yeah. But like bad Cinderella. But like super bad gross Cinderella that they wouldn't Cinderella. put on TV. But think it's Cinderella. But kind of also Annie. Well, that was my thing. The next one is it's like, yeah, it's a lot like Annie. Yeah. Actually, I'd say that's probably a yeah, pretty good one. Yeah. So it's one. like Cinderella, but like bad part of Cinderella. With the with the mafia house. Yeah. And the working. Yeah. And, and then, literally being under a stove. Right. And then once she gets to the rich family, it's Annie. And then yep. once she goes across the sea, it's Mary Poppins, because she's a nanny. And but also kind of like made in Manhattan. Ooh, and also kind of like love actually, yeah. because when she meets that guy, they don't yeah. speak the same language. Yeah. <laughs> but they get married six months later. Yeah, exactly. Uh huh. Oh, it's it's a lot of things. And it's, then if you guys have any suggestions, all wrapped up in big fish. Oh my god, yes, it's all wrapped up in big fish because nobody believes it, and yet much of it is true. <laughs> and then she turns into a fish in the bathtub at the end. Oh, is that what happens? Thank you. You're welcome. I can't believe you left that for just now. Um, god, that movie fucking made me cry. I love that movie. I love that movie so much. First of all, anything you and McGregor's in, I'm like, uh huh. Even uh -huh, the Star yeah. Wars movies. Uh huh. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. Okay. 
okay. That's this. That's the noise that Ewan McGregor makes us make. It's fine. That's the Ewan McGregor. That's the noise that Ewan McGregor makes you make. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that that one. The Ewan McGregor noise. (laughs) (sighs) Well, thank you guys so much for joining us for yet another episode of the Uh Oh Feeling, episode fucking thirty. Yo, do you feel like you got bingo for me? I mean, it's really hard to tell because we didn't write out cards. We didn't write out cards, so like I could say yes. I, I mean, yeah, I would accept it. Do you feel like you got bingo for me? No, I feel like your story wasn't um, horrible enough. To I try and like story do some you. variety. Yeah. Look, <laughs> I've just got two stories that if you combine them would make this story. It's fine. <laughs> there was no serial killer in mine. Yeah. Well, but I mean, next time. Or something really dark and horrible that took me to bad places on the internet. Yeah, let's not do that for a bit. How about that? Hey, next episode. <laughs> hey, next episode. Let's not. It's too late. No. You're right. We do have to do something hardcore. I have a cannibal. You have a cannibal? You just sitting on a cannibal right now? I am, actually. I've been waiting. Okay, maybe we shouldn't do that one because it's also kind of heavy. Hey, listeners. Emily's been sitting on a cannibal. (laughs) (laughs) Not like that. This whole time. Since, like, episode two, I've been sitting on this cannibal. Well, our next episode is technically a heavy app, so we should just probably do it. But, like, our last episode was, like super heavy is this one like that heavy though i just won't do mass genocide how about that and maybe it'll be okay i remember correctly he's got like 20 victims oh my god all right there's a little teaser fuck it i'm doing it good cool yes all right don't forget your goddamn can of water god damn it yeah (laughs) i hate you so much no you don't Uh uh-uh This has been a Daily Gravy production. Thanks for listening.